0: Person, just as God is there for us, that's two Corinthians one four. When we go through hard times, two things happen. Firstly, God comes alongside us, and often He does through does this through His tangible presence of another human. Think back. To when you have had someone support and encourage you and come alongside you when times have been hard? Are you thankful for that person? They were there for you, and they were definitely a part of God's plan for your life. Two, having brought someone alongside us in hard times, God brings us alongside someone else. In other words, we then become his tangible presence to someone else when they're going through a difficult time. Last week, we asked the question, who cares? And we thought about establishing a core value of care. However, in order for the whole church to grow together, this core value needs to be translated into a core culture. So today we'll be exploring what paraklesis, a culture of care, coming alongside each other, might look like as a church. Someone once said that going to church can be a bit like riding the bus. Everyone faces in the same direction, looking at the back of people's heads. Some look out the window wondering if they'll ever come to their destination. And there's one person up the front doing all the driving and collecting the money. You can't, you can't wait for your stop so you can get off. Cynical, maybe. But there is a seed of truth here. What is the purpose in coming to church? Is it to hear a sermon? Is it to sing? To give tithes and offerings? just to socialize. They're all a part of it. Every Sunday is an opportunity to meet with, the, with God and have meaningful conversations with each other and to come alongside one another. The church is called to be a paraklesis community. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing this. Instead, let us encourage one another with words of hope. Let us do this even more as you see Christ's return approaching. Sometimes we can get too focused on vision and and projects that we neglect people. Sometimes the emphasis becomes about this place rather than the people. Some had withdrawn, walked away, rejected and forsaken the church in this reading. The writer exhorts those who remain not to let let more walk away. To not allow the church to suffer from front door, back door syndrome. The writer is saying, don't stop meeting together, as is the habit of some, but continue to come together, not just to hold services, but to come alongside to encourage, support, and help one another. The Greek word here for habit is ethos, and the meaning, um, and this means custom or culture, The writer is encouraging them to set and maintain a new kind of culture, a paraklesis culture. Culture doesn't happen by chance. It is created. So the question is, how can we begin to grow this culture of caring for one another within church life, within our church We've got to create the opportunity to establish culture. Every church and family creates its culture by design and default. Every church has its own DNA. Culture, in the agricultural sense, means this kind of nutrients and soil that enables something to grow and to flourish. For instance, a rose does not grow well in sand. It needs a culture of the right ingredients in which it is able to grow, to enable its fragrance, color, and beauty to emerge. Thinking back to the bus analogy for church, this kind of of established culture does not create opportunities for us to flourish in coming alongside one another. Small groups, Inviting people to our homes, midweek groups, church groups, these all create opportunities to establish a culture of care. In your daily guide that you would have got or you can pick up still, there are some tips for journeying together for you to learn and to practice. So, next, we need to consider how we can come alongside others. Hebrews 10.24 says, we must also consider how to encourage each each other to show love and to do good things. So once we have created opportunities, we need to be intentional about using them even before coming to church or going to a small group, let's think about our intention of coming to those groups or coming to church. Are we intending to sit in the same seat every Sunday, to only talk to the same people every week, to get in and out quickly so our roast dinner doesn't burn? Or could we sit somewhere else, talk to someone else, to someone new, and open up and share meaningful conversations with one another? We all face weekly struggles. At the end of the service or meeting, why not turn to someone that you've not seen before and talk to them? Why not ask how their week has been, if appropriate, Maybe offer to pray with them as the least we could do. Hebrews 10.25 says we must continue the habit to encourage each other. So here we must continue. Once we've made new connections with people, let's continue to build on those connections. We can add these people, we can add people to our prayer list, to our messaging list, to even our baker cake list, so that during the week, the culture we share is continued. It becomes a habit. Rather than only reaching out to people now and again, let's regularly encourage, affirm, value and support each other. Following these things can help us become a community where love comes alongside. By coming alongside others, we can bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. God is in the business of coming alongside, and he has called us in the business of coming alongside other people as our key verse in the series from 2 Corinthians 1, 4 says. There's a fable about the wind and the sun. Have you heard it? It goes something like this. The sun and the wind are arguing about who is the strongest. When they they see a man traveling, they decide that the one who can make the man take off his cloak is the strongest. So the sun hides behind the clouds and while the the wind blows, but the more harshly the wind blows, the man continues to pull his cloak over himself. The wind gives up and the sun comes out. He comes alongside the man with his warmth, heat, and light. And as he shines, the man takes off his cloak and he walks freely and openly. This picture is what it could mean to come alongside others in love, in warmth of acceptance, affirmation, and encouragement. We can feel God's love through other people. This should be the heart of our culture. So, what does coming alongside others mean? Coming alongside others means recognizing that people do not have problems but needs. Love doesn't see problems. It recognizes needs and reaches out to them. It is people focused, rather than problem focused. We all have deep needs. For many years, psychologists have submitted, uh, have studied and identified that within all human beings, we have the need for longing, for the sense, uh, for longing or, sorry. We have the need for acceptance, uh, value, and belonging. People thrive in a culture that provides them with their needs. God's plan is that, through Christ, we become a part of His family, a family which lovingly comes alongside each other. knowing how to receive and give love. Dr. Carl Stern discovered two fundamental human needs and he believed if these two needs were met, many psychological problems and emotional disturbances can be resolved. These two needs are the need to receive love and the need to give love. When we receive love, we receive acceptance and affirmation, and we feel valued. And then we find purpose in loving as we have been loved. What happens when we worship? As we express our love for God, there is a reciprocal um, repro- uh, receiving of God's love upon us. Why do we take bread and wine to celebrate sacrifice, but to also celebrate the receiving of God's love through Jesus, to be reminded of the sacrifice that Christ has paid for us. Loving as we have been loved by God. God loves us first and his love comes first. We love because he first loved us. God does not love us because of what we do, but simply because he has chosen us and set us apart. If we went to sleep for a year, and did absolutely nothing god would love us just the same there is nothing more or nothing less that we can do to make god love us we may worry about not loving god enough but we've all this time that's a backward way of thinking we won't know How to love God or to others until we understand how much God loves us. Do we know this morning that we are loved by God? And when I say do we know, it's a knowing within ourselves that we are loved no matter what. John 13 34 says, Let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way that I have loved you. The more we realize how much God loves us, the more we know it within ourselves, the easier it is to love other people, especially when they aren't being very loyal. It's easy to love those who love you. It's a lot more difficult to love your enemies. But in knowing that we have been forgiven, we can forgive others. We learn to learn to accept others as we have been accepted, to affirm others as we have been (coughs) affirmed, and to forgive others as we have been forgiven. An expression of authentic community. After commanding the disciples to love one another, Jesus said, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, when they see that you love, have love for one another. The discipleship test is not based on our vision or how many noble projects, seminars, conferences, festivals, and activities we're involved in, our love for one another is that litmus paper test. Loving a community, loving each other. Jesus was saying, don't look at what they're doing or saying. Look at the culture. Look at who they are when they're together to see if they are genuine and authentic. We will be known to be an authentic community, a coming alongside culture, through our love for one another. Love should be at the center of our culture. People coming into church should see love coming alongside Many people who walk away from church do so because they don't feel like they belong or they cannot be accepted. There is a difference between attending and belonging. There is also something known as the present but absent believer. We come to church every Sunday, we're present, but we're not here really, we're somewhere else, we're looking out the windows. That's why we've put the blinds down on that side. (laughs) Um, We're present, but we're not really here. We're thinking about something else. We don't feel like we can belong. And that's why it was important when we reworked the vision for Be Youth or the youth work, it was belong, believe, and beloved. That the young people felt firstly and foremost that they could belong. That they run in on Friday afternoon through that door, Almost breaking it. Um, But they're running in because they feel like they can belong. They feel at home. They feel accepted regardless of their race, religion, and sexuality. They feel like they can come as who they are. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not only about salvation from sin, but it is about meeting the deep longings and needs of the human heart. Through the cross, we are brought into God's family. These needs can only be fully met through Christ in the context of a Christian community, a loving Christian community. Hebrews 6.11 says, We are anxious that you keep right on loving others as long as life lasts. the heart of the paraclete's culture let's look at the stu- look at today's story which is found in mark 6:31 to 44 this story is significant it is the only miracle that records that, that is recorded in all four gospels and shows us how the disciples had the opportunity to come alongside others to care. But on this occasion they were wrong. They got it wrong. It'd been a busy day. Jesus was journeying with his disciples across Galilee. They were together doing church or as I like to say being church. With Jesus on the hillside when suddenly they were crashed by a large crowd. Their cozy little church club was disturbed and hijacked before it had even started. Such had been the impact of Jesus' ministry that the crowds followed him around the lake, and there were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So you can guess how many that might have been. At least fifteen to 20,000 probably. Wouldn't you be pleased if that many people showed up <laughs> to church on Sunday morning? Uh, but the disciples weren't. They hadn't yet learned the culture of care. The disciples suffered from what we'll call a compassionate deficit disorder cdd <laughs> compassion feels something and does something 1 john 3:17 says if you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing what happens to god's love it disappears and you made it disappear But the disciples felt nothing, and so they did nothing. They asked Jesus to send them away. In contrast to the lack of compassion, Jesus had a caring and compassionate ethos. Jesus looked and responded to the crowd. And in many instances, when we see Jesus responding to healing somebody or to a situation, the verse sometimes, if not always, don't judge my theology or my reading, it says he had compassion on them. So Jesus, in Mark 6:34, when he came out, he saw the great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them Because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. They were lost. And we know that Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. When Jesus saw the crowd, he didn't see hungry or problem people, but sheep without a shepherd. He saw that they felt they had no sense of belonging. Little self-value or worth were cut loose wandering aimlessly with no purpose. Hence, sending them away wouldn't have been a great idea. But keeping them together, gathering them as a community, letting them know that they were loved and they belonged, was important. So what does he do? He accepts them as they are. Acceptance is at the core Of belonging. Love says you belong as you are, with all your needs. A a caring culture provides a safe, accepting, non-rejecting atmosphere. Secondly, he validates them. The disciples rejected the crowd. They disapproved of them being there. Jesus acted in a way that told the crowd they were worth his time and care. Valuing people is one of the most compassionate things that we can do. Thirdly, he reaches out to them. The disciples were dismissive, seeing them as too much of a burden and a big task. But Jesus invited them in, needs and all. Sometimes when we plan some projects with the youth work, I'm usually the one that goes, oh, we want to do this massive vision. We want to do all of this, all of this, all of this. And Lorraine and Becky usually, calm down, Jane. Calm, just calm it. And then I go, oh, it's too big, I can't be bothered. And then Becky goes, and Lorraine goes, it can be done, we will do it. And it's usually the case that they come alongside me and, as I have to admit, they make sure that, we're keeping on track of, of, of the bigger picture, as it were, and so this is quite um, a challenge for me this morning. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> compassion, moved inwardly to get involved, care and coming and coming alongside people is important. The word compassion have it, has its roots in Greek, originated from pain. Of the kidneys or the bowels, ouch! Um, it is a vivid word, meaning to be gripped in the pit of your stomach, as we say the gut feeling. If a friend's loved one is sick, you generally show pity or sympathy. But when your loved one, uh, when you, when you, your own loved one is sick, you'd willingly change places with them if you could. You are desperate to be alongside to ease their pain and discomfort. Compassion moves us inwardly. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything that we do. Whenever you read about Jesus' journey in the Gospels, you will see that he was moved with compassion he came alongside and engaged people the miracles happened whether it is the widow of nahum whose son was raised to life the blind man in jericho a leper in galilee or the Laz- or lazarus at bethany on these occasions the bible does not say that he uh, on these occasions, the bible does not say that he had compassion but that he was moved with compassion compassion brought about these miracles and is the provision of the loaves and the fishes compassion is the watermark of the remar- of the miraculous where com- where compassion where there is compassion there are miracles now jesus doesn't let the disciples off the hook he requires their involvement he wants them to come alongside matthew 6:34 to 44 Shows us this compassion. Firstly, he moves towards others. Compassion engages with needs. Jesus tells his disciples to take care of people and feed them. Secondly, responsibility for others. Jesus refuses to send these needy people away. We, need, we see the need And we choose to pass the buck or accept responsibility. And responsibility requires involvement. Next, gives no excuse. The disciples had excuses and we might have them too if we were in that situation. Physically, they had inadequate resources. So little to feed so many people. But Jesus says, I am the resource. Jesus says, he is the resource. Next, places what we have in Jesus' hands. Jesus asks his disciples to tell him what they had. Often, we are quick to talk about What we don't have, about what we can't do. But Jesus asks us, What do you have? Give it to me. We bring all that we have, as little and as much as it is, to Jesus, and we say, Take. Next, it draws on Christ's resources. The disciples bring the food to Jesus see what happens common bread in the miracle hands of jesus becomes miracle bread. i'll repeat that common bread in the miracle hands of jesus becomes miracle bread the little that you have can become a miracle when in the hands of jesus Now miracle bread is placed back in the hands of the common people so that they can come alongside the needy multitude. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times and deposits things in our lives and in our hands. Then he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. He reaches out to the point of felt need. They all ate and they were filled. You may not realize this, but Jesus never fed the 5,000. He comes alongside the disciples and places bread and fish back into their hands. They then sit the people down in groups and come alongside and feed them. This is what compassion does. This is what a parakalesis culture is and does. It demonstrates love coming alongside. In the Gospels, there are six accounts of disciples feeding a multitude. Feeding the 5,000 in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all different verses. Feeding 4,000 in Matthew and Mark. This just shows us how significant this was. In all instances... Jesus blessed what they brought, and it was multiplied. In Matthew 15, 32 to 39, the disciples fed 4,000, but this time the food was not provided by a boy, but is their own supply that they had brought along. Now they were prepared to come alongside others in love. Whatever your experience, whatever you've got, Give it to God this morning. Let him take it into his miracle hands and drop his compassion into your hearts, into our hearts, into my heart. We long to see the miracle hand of God at work. Together, let us create a culture in which this can happen, the culture of love that comes alongside. Let's build this paraklesis ethos, Into the heart of the culture of care within our church community. Amen. Thank you, James. We're now going to sing our next hymn, so if you could stand up. Um, It may not be that familiar to you. I hope it uh, is okay. Okay, is it, Dave? Dave says it's okay, so we'll go for it.